Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Wow, wow. Hello, everybody. You all right? Any of you read Lana Vorse's words? Any of you connect with, do you know who Lana Vorse is, an Australian prophetess? She wrote this the other day, uh, and I found it to be over, over the years very, very accurate. And in fact, she's coming to the UK um, in May this year. Um, she wrote this just the other day. I heard the Lord say, come into the upper room. My fire is falling for new frontiers. Recently, I heard the Lord say, come into the upper room. My fire is falling for the new frontiers. There is a weighty invitation from the Lord right now to the people of God to come into the upper room, the place of prayer and waiting on him like never before. For his fire is falling for the new frontiers. There's a deep place of encounter awaiting God's people right now where there's a fresh commissioning taking place in the upper room for the new frontiers that are being that are before the people of God. There's an invitation to leave behind the noise and the distractions and come Come into the upper room for the fire of God is falling. The Lord showed me a mighty deliverances that are taking place in the upper room. The spirit of God falling in such power. There's sudden deliverances taking place. Sudden healings happening. Sudden alignment taking place. The fog is suddenly breaking. Time is suddenly being restored. Vision is suddenly increasing. I heard the Lord say in order for my people to move into the new frontiers. There must be, they must be in the upper room to receive fresh fire. Who's in the upper room today? Yabba dabba do. I think we're in the right place at the right time, don't you? Yes. I mean, why does the wind blow? When you, you ever started a fire? Anybody here like, I like starting fires. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd be an arsonist. That would be fun, wouldn't it? And, uh, you know, when you're getting a fire going, you've got to have just the right amount of... And that's what Jesus did on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly every head, there's a fire for every head, as Reinhard used to say. Who's ready for a fire on their head today? Who's running out of passion? Come on, get it back today. Who's bored? We'll sort you out by the end of today. In the next one hour, you're not going to be bored anymore. Boredom is a sign of a lack of fire. We're going to get you your fire back. Amen? Because God's got a purpose. He's got a reason. And... uh, and uh, we want to jump right into that today. I believe God's doing some new things. I just really sense the prophetic presence of God here in the room. And um, so let's have some fun. Is that all right? Good. I need too many bits. It's what happens when I get all prophetic. I, I walk up with about 11 sheets of paper. One thing, or people think I'm messaging during the service, but I'm not checking my Twitter. I'm, I'm normally following a little rabbit trail that God's leading me on. But I'll get there. I've got a few books downstairs. I don't know, six, six or seven. There's a couple of new ones since I saw you last. These aren't them, actually. There's a couple of leadership books since I saw you last. But I thought, let me just plug these. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit about this, but then and some this morning. Um, we are at one of the most extraordinary moments in church history. And this book is all about what I believe God is doing in the earth. Everybody say, the dream of God. Dream of God. 
we're, we're going to get into the dream of God. And so I'm going to share. It's kind of different, but it lines up with this kind of stuff. You need to know what God's doing in the earth because it affects you. And it's called 500 because every 500 years, God adjusts what he's doing on the planet. 500 years ago was the Reformation. He's up to something right now. Tell the person next to you, he's up to something. Tell him, tell the other person, he's sneaky. And, and say this, he's ever so clever. You're going to get to the end of your life and wonder, why, what, what happened there? What was that about? What's this about? What's that? You know what I mean? I mean, when Moses hit the rock instead of speaking for it and God says, that's it, you're not going in. You think, what was he up to? Was God in a bad mood? Did he not have enough coffees that day? Why was he so grumpy? I think he was saving Moses from a million miserable Jews, don't you? Because the next thing Moses knew is on the Mount of Transfiguration next to Elijah and the Messiah in the promised land with Jesus in all of his glory. And I'm sure Jesus turned to him and said, wasn't this a better plan than yours? I think 40 years was enough. I think you'd done quite enough of the miserable Jews. As lovely as Jews are. I used to live among Jews. They're just very noisy, that's all. Who wants to read 500? I'll give it away. You, sir, you, you were first. Um, there's a series of books called Believe and Confess. This one's the adults one, but we've got one for children, kind of 7 to 11, and then we've got one for very little children that my son has written that's full of pictures and illustrations. We need to learn to think like God, and I'm going to mention this today, so this will help you if that part of the message touches your life. If we can think like God, then we can begin to behave like God, and then we can begin to live like God. Um, uh, your greatest battle is, is right up here in your mind. Amen? And, you know, so we, we've written, this is for adults, and it, it tells you how to, how to think straight and how the Bible teaches you to think straight. Then it gives you a biblical confession for each day of the week. And then there's one for 7 to 11-year-olds. My wife is just writing one for teenagers at the moment because we get so many requests for this. And then, like I say, my son has written because the story comes from my son really learning how to confess the word and chase his fears away. And, and so we've written these books, and, and we got a, um, a, a testimony from a, a seven-year-old who, who read the, the, the book for seven-year-olds. And this is what the family said. My seven-year-old has been struggling with a suicidal spirit. Seven. But within three days of confessing the word over his life and replacing... So you're supposed to take your thoughts prisoner. You're not supposed to let them take you prisoner. Can I say that again? Take your thoughts prisoner. And that's what this is all about. And, you know, so I see my son sometimes is you know, a little bit scared. And I say, son, confess the word. Come on, pray it. And I can hear him muttering away in his bed and he falls to sleep peacefully. And I think, I wish the grown-ups in my church would learn that. <laughs> you know, some of those that are baptized in lemon juice. Who wants this one? There you go. You were quick. You were on it. We've got to learn how to do that. And then finally, because this is a new edition. I mean, look how thick that is, right? Oh, my word. And this is called Stronger, because weakness is boring. Okay. Um, Stop trying to elicit pity from the rest of us by being weak. We're all weak. (laughs) Get over yourself, as if you're the only one that has that feeling. As if you're the only one that's ever been left off a rotor, for heaven's sake. (laughs) We have a word from God for you. Grow up. (laughs) We all feel left out. What happens next is what defines you, 
right, come on, work with me. You can see the, tw- you can see the twinkle in the eye through my glasses, can't you? Um, and I got bored of being weak a little while ago, and God took me through 12 lessons of how to become stronger. And this has got the 12 lessons in the book, and then it's got a 40-day devotional at the end as well. That's why it's so much thicker. Um, how to live strong, because weakness is boring. The whole point of the gospel is let the weak say, it's the whole point. We're all weak, so we learn to become strong. If the gospel doesn't work, let's go and play golf on Sundays instead. Amen? But the gospel works. But you have to take it in the right dose. Don't apply it once a week and think it's going to change your life. Um, who was it? Is it, was it? is it John Bevere? Has anybody seen the interview on social media? I think it's John Bevere with some guy. I think it was John Bevere, talking about how the Bible affects your life. And they did some studies and saw that when, she, when you read it once a week or was in a church service once a week, the change was minute, virtually, virtually not really even a blip on the chart. And two, two or three times a week in the Word of God, a negligible little change, but it was four plus times a week in the word in some form, utterly transformed your life. The rates of mental illness were going down. The, ra- the rates of pornography addiction was going down. The inner sense of strength and self-worth was shooting up just as you go from, well, I dip into it three times a week, I read a verse, to actually four plus times a week. I get my heart wrapped around the word of God and I'm different. I'm only plugging a book and I feel like I'm preaching. There you go, sweetie. Okay, so um, wonderful. That's the plugging over with. And there's other books down there if that interests you. God has a dream. Should we get back to that? You know, um, stop trying to find your dream. It's very self-involved. It's, it comes from self-help gurus, not the Bible. The Bible says, deny yourself. I don't pastor a church because it was ever my dream. Last thing on God's earth, I'm third generation in my family that's a minister. I know how naff being a minister is. The last thing on God's earth I want to be is a minister. I want to be a wildlife photographer. That's what I should be. I should be out looking for polar bears somewhere. Do you know what I mean? That's what I should be doing. I'm creative. I'm musical. I should be a worship leader. Danny, you've got the best job in the church and we all know it, don't we? Just play around with music up the front but zero responsibility. What fun that is. Apart from rotors. Yeah. <laughs> right. Blumming rotors do me head in, right? Why do I do what I do? I'm under orders and you should be too. It is a vain longing of self-fulfillment that, that you will never quite see come to pass if you believe you're taught to chase your dream. I know there's tension to that truth, but work with me. Here's the point. God has a dream. If you want a fail-safe, all of heaven behind you, all of God protecting you, dream to attach your life to. If you want to be attached to the most fulfilling thing on the planet, find out what God's dream is. Then, and this is what they really mean or should really mean when they say it, find your part in God's dream. Find the living stone in the temple that you were called to become and become that. Find out what God thinks of you and live that life and you will be blessed but the the core of it all I mean we're living in the world of identity politics aren't we oh this is me yes and you're awful 
No, you can't say that. Jesus did. Sinner. I mean, even a pretty good one among them. Peter, get behind me, Satan. You worm. The Pharisees, the religious guys, you're like graves. You old fox. I mean, Jesus wasn't going around being nice. The greatest danger for the British church today is that we think Christianity is supposed to be nice, don't we? I don't mean that we're supposed to be rude, but let's remember what it's in red. So we, this is what the gospel is. Deny yourself. Deni- not find yourself. Oh, I've discovered me. I've, di- I've discovered me. I'm 50 and I've discovered me. I've discovered myself several times over. Do you know what I am? A mess. Dysfunctional. A bit weird. I discovered myself, and you know what I decided? Don't even like myself. So how's about I do what Jesus said? Forget about myself. Get all my eyes on him. Run after him. See, God has a dream. Before the world began, God dreamed that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's God's plan. That The very manifest reality of God would live among men. And in that garden in Eden, he planted the garden and God and man walked together. Wow. Say it backwards. That's God's dream. Then he begins to outwork his plan for the dream to come to pass. God's dream is that he would be as real to us as we are to each other on the earth. And we know the story, man fell, it was a mess. Then God begins this restorative process, but the dream never changed. He knew it was all going to happen. The dream never changed. I still, I want to live among you. That's my obsession. And people tell me church is all about the people. I go, oh, no. No, it's all about God and people somehow together. Somehow together. That's what this is all about. Is Is it not? So you have this dream and then... He begins to outwork his dream. And you know what? You're part of his dream. Say that. I'm part of God's dream. Go on. He's been dreaming about you. The first thing that God ever was in the Bible was an author. And he wrote books. And do you know what he wrote about? You. He wrote about you. He wrote stories about your life. He dreamed of what you would do. He dreamed of how he'd make your mock-ups right. Isn't that good? He dreamed of how he'd make up for your weakness and turn you into something extraordinary. And we find we've got Abraham, Genesis 15. I'll just tell the story, is that okay? You can go read it in your, in your avid, quiet times that you have at least four times a week because you find it transformative, don't you? Say, <laughs> so, yes, I do, preacher, yes, I do. God's promising Abraham, this, this, this man with a, a barren wife, he's promising children, he takes him outside and he says, look at the, star, look at the stars. And what does he say? So shall your seed be. It's an incredible statement. Then we find when we go to Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 16, the 316s are nearly always good in the Bible. Not just John 316, the rest of them are pretty darn good too, if you understand them. And um, in Galatians 316, Paul teaches us that that, uh, 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 God wasn't just talking uh, about Abraham. He says, but I I was talking about Jesus too. 
So just like he could point Abraham to the sky and say, look, that, that's how your children are going to be. That's what I'm going to make of you, Abraham. It says in Galatians 3.16 that essentially that he was talking to one seed, the seed of Jesus as well. And so imagine it. Work with me for a moment. Looking up at the stars. Imagine the voice of God. Jesus, I'm going to make you like that. Somehow, Jesus, I'm going to make you many. See, the first thing he does to get his dream going is, I need a lot more people just like me. I need a lot of people that grasp that the weak can become strong. And so you look up at the stars and you go, that's what Jesus is going to become like. Somehow Jesus is going to become many. And in, uh, ooh, where is it? John 12, I think it is. How is he going to do that? Jesus explains himself. John 12, 23 says this. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Wow. I love that phrase. And this is what he says. This is how he's going to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Somehow, Jesus, this is how I'm going to glorify you. Right now, you're one. When you die, I'm going to turn you into many. Wow. I don't mean that you are King Jesus, but I do mean that you are in Christ Jesus. I do mean that you are seated in heavenly places. I do mean that, as 1 Corinthians says, you're one spirit with him. I do mean that he's the vine and we're the branches on the vine. Somehow my life is wrapped, enveloped into God. Somehow he's in me. His union with me is transforming. Somehow I am part of the glorification of Jesus. Somehow we are part of the glorification of Jesus. I mean, somebody somewhere. Wow. Little old me. Some of us can't even make our beds in the morning and we're supposed to be kings. He's the king of kings, but we're the second king in that statement. He's the king of kings. Seated majesty. God of heaven living in me. Good song. We're seated in heavenly places. Philippians says we shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. When Abraham's looking up at those shining stars, Galatians shows us Jesus was looking up too. And the father was saying, I'm going to turn you into this. And it's all part of the dream. Hello, glorious ones. Glorious ones who kicked the cat this morning and burnt the toast and had a good old row on the way to church. Hello, glorious ones. Hello, more than conquerors who still worried about God paying that £59 bill at the end of the month. Hello, glorious ones who can't quite raise the money to go on a mission. Hello, glorious ones who are more obsessed about praying that their hair would, would come back than that God would touch the earth. Hello, glorious ones. Self-obsessed, glorious ones. Hello. 
consumerist society, glorious ones. Oh, that we would break forth, that we would take off the garments of the dullness of the world and put on a garment of praise and put on the garments of righteousness and put on the garments of glory that we could say, arise, shine, your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen on you. That we get some authority in our mouths. We're more than conquerors and then we face anything remotely more than a headache. Oh, I don't know if God will do it. I'm not sure. I wish Pastor Phil would stop telling those amazing stories. They don't inspire me. They make me feel guilty. Sorry, was that truthful? Too truthful. The truth will set you free. I don't know about you. I need a bit of glory in my life. I want the glory of God to manifest. We've got to get our minds right up. Do you know Ephesians uh, three? I think it is. <laughs> it's close enough, isn't it? Somewhere in the Bible it says the bit where he's saying, "If if your roots go down into His love, you will experience the fullness of God." What are you rooted in? Worry, anxiety, pain, grief, history, or Love. When your roots go down into love. Come on, everybody slurp with me. That's supposed to be roots sucking up the goodness. Come on, do a little slurp. That's what roots do, right? If you put a flower, take a white flower and put it in dye, the petal will change colors. The petals of the flower will change. If I pick you up, if I put you in anxiety, you might sing the songs at church, but inside you're dying. Next to you in this meeting could be someone who's suicidal. Not because they're any less lovely than you are, but their roots are in the wrong thing. But if I could get my roots down into the fact that he loves me, he's for me. If I could trust him, then the Bible says a highway, my way would be made straight. If I could just say, I trust you, Jesus. I focus my mind on you. Glorious. He's taken Jesus and he's taken you. Like taking two potatoes, one potato, two potato. Should we go further? Three potato, four, five potato, six potato, seven potato, more. Sorry, you're making me feel mischievous today. It's what I get like when I'm tired. Blame Pastor Phil. God's taken Jesus and he's taken you like two well-cooked potatoes. He's put you in a bowl with Jesus and he's mashed you together. You are inseparable from him. You, you can try and pick him apart if you want to, but you need to cope with your new identity. When it says a, a, you're a new creation, you're not just upgraded or updated. You are a brand new species, the word literally means. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've had secular counseling at points in my life. Well, at one point in my life. So I'm not against it. I'm not saying don't do it. It can be very useful. But a secular counselor can only speak to the flesh man within you. Speak to how your mind works. And there's, there's some really, I found some really helpful stuff to know how my mind as a human being works. My problem is I'm not a normal human being and neither are you. I'm a species. So they cannot tell me how to access the heavenly realm through faith. They cannot tell me what the word of God will do to my heart. Cannot tell me how waves of God's power going through my life transformed me. A psychologist cannot tell me that speaking in tongues increases my immune system by 35%. They can't help me with that stuff. I need a divine counselor. I need a divine guide. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he uses the word of God to teach me about who my new species is. I'm a new species. 
Stop thinking that you're like everyone else as you walk through that mall. If you are, then you're a fake. It's what Jesus would call a hypocrite, an actor. You sing the songs, you go to church, but you haven't learned who you are. You're God's child. You're wonderful. Even when you're miserable, you're wonderful. He'll pull you out of it, pull you through it. And we've got to learn how to deal with our mind. That's, that's useful something, but can't tell you the whole story. You need the Holy Counselor to say to you, hey, because this is a truth you won't get anywhere else. He that's in you is greater than that diagnosis. I can fix it in a second. I've been fixed in a second many times. By God, by my mum, by all sorts. You can be transformed in a moment, can't you? I can transform my son in a moment. He's 11 years old. When he's having a bit of a misery, Zach, you're losing video games. Oh, transformation, what a beautiful... Oh, my dad, I am so sorry, Father. We've got to learn. Part of God's dream is that you become glorious. And it begins with the internal transformation of us accepting who we now are. You are not the person that was born of your mother. Stop saying it, thinking it. Stop repeating the, the things, the alcoholism and the divorce that has gone through your family line. Stop repeating. You are not the child of your mother. That person died. Now you have to reckon him dead. I was born to Marion Cooper in 1970. That makes me, oh God help me, 50 years old this year. But in 1977, a new species, a brand new kind of person that had a connection to heaven was born. Someone who had a conqueror inside of him. Someone whose strength was greater than anything on the earth. Someone whose wisdom knows more than Wikipedia and Google put together. God. So then what does he do? Because it sounds lovely, doesn't it? He begins to transform me. It's the first thing he does for his dream to come about. Okay, now I've got you. Oh, and we listen to the, you know, to the faith preachers, which I am one of, by the way. But I, you know, I just make sure I preach the whole counsel of God. You know, that God only does nice things. Hmm, yeah. In the book of Hebrews, so New Testament, it says, you know, God's discipline is unpleasant sometimes. Do you know you have a God who is unpleasant sometimes? Don't we? Turn to your neighbor and say, he can be unpleasant. Go on, tell him. Make it a fridge magnet today. You are going to go through things that are unpleasant. But listen, and I'm not saying everything unpleasant is sent by God. That's not what I'm saying. I don't believe Jesus would take sickness on the cross and then give it you to discipline you. I don't mean that. But you will go through circumstances like Joseph in the prison that are there to transform you into who you should be. Restrictions. I'm holding you back. I'm making you wait. I mean, if you notice that a lot of life is waiting and forming. If you want the biblical pattern, this is the thing. We go on about fulfillment as if everybody in the room is fulfilled and you're the only one that's not. But most of us are still forming and waiting. Because this is the biblical pattern for life. We're born. Because God has a dream. He, he, he gives birth to you to fulfill his dream. And then he trains you. And he makes you. And he forms you. And then just when you think you're ready, he then says, so now wait. Because there's some things that are only formed through waiting. There's some things that God only does in the dark. 
He polishes you like an arrow, then hides you in his quiver. Doesn't shoot you straight away because waiting and hiding is part of his process. So you're born, you train, you learn, you grow, you form, you wait. Fulfillment, death. We've got a wrong picture of what destiny is. Destiny, a lot of it is forming into who I'm supposed to be. It's nothing for God to use you. He can use an ass. Numbers 22, is it? God can use a donkey. But he's forming you, shaping your insides and training you. So, you know, Jesus is born. He's subservient to his parents. He disappears for three days. Can you imagine the panic, losing a child for three days? You know, I lose my son for five minutes and I'm in a sweat and taking antidepressants. Do you know what I mean? And three days and then they find him. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? Like every one of us, desperate to get on with it. We're so desperate to get on with it. Why? Because we think that doing it will make us fulfilled. No. Becoming who you are supposed to be is what will make you fulfilled. You Ah, son of God, born from above. Nothing will fulfill you like knowing that you're his child. Amen. So he, he, he's forming you. Jesus then waits, what is it, 17 years. He's just in waiting. And then he, he, he's baptized at the Jordan. The heavens open. This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. And, and it, you know, if it was you or me, we'd have gone, right, this is it. Now we're getting on with it. And then God says, no, right, now a wilderness. What, what, a wilderness? Where do you think I've been the last 30 years? There's still more. There's so many false horizons in our development if we've got our perspective wrong. Heart defer- hope deferred makes the heart sick. You, you've got to make sure that your hope is on the right things. What am I hoping for? I'm not hoping to be famous or successful. I'm hoping to be a son. Because whether I'm five or 50, I'm still a son. Whether I'm famous or completely unknown, I'm still a son. Becoming. And there in the desert, it's revealed that Jesus is ready. Because whatever the enemy throws at him, Jesus' answer is, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. It is written. In other words, he was only thinking God thoughts. Every other thought had been driven out of him. The part of him that was saying, you've got to eat, dude. You've not eaten for 40 days. Turn that rock into a Big Mac. You can do it. You've got power. There would have been a side of his, his ego, his flesh, his weakness. His Anybody have pity parties? I have great pity parties. I invite myself to them and even I don't turn up. Do you know what I mean? So turn that. So imagine the pity party his flesh could have gone into. We always have a choice of pity. Pity is not compassion. God doesn't answer pity. So there. But Jesus goes, no, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. He was tempted to shortcut to his destiny. The devil said, look, we can do this painlessly if you want to. Just worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, which is God's dream. We'll get to that maybe in the second service, the way we're going. He says, no, it is written. It is whatever the enemy throws. You know what God is trying to get you to the point where you... Think like God. A bill comes through the door. It is written. 
Diagnosis from the doctor, it is written. A friend rejects you, it's written. Your plan doesn't come to pass in the way you thought, but it's written. You're going through a difficult valley of emotional strain, and it is written. You're just a tired and weary mum, and you haven't got the time for the prayer life that the preacher preaches from the front, but it's written. You feel lonely, it's written. It's always a choice to turn loneliness into solitude. Well, if I'm in a lonely season, God must want me on my own. Every one of my lonely seasons has been a revival season in the end. When I got out of pity and got into purpose, it turned into revival. Instead of sitting going, well, I haven't got a girlfriend. <laughs> I was going to say boyfriend then, but I thought it, you'd think I was from another church. Let's not go there, shall we? Not in the, not in the current climate. Let's not, let's not go there. I'm all on my own. I'm a bit socially dysfunctional. And sometimes he's very in charge of circumstances. And we're whinging at God and telling the pastor that the small groups don't work properly in the church. And God's going, I just want you alone with the Xbox turned off and Facebook removed from your phone so that we can be together because the start of my dream is I am forming you we're not even getting on to what I want to do with that I think that's going to be second service the way we're going I'm forming you to be remarkable amen God's purposes are like a river Ezekiel 47, there's a river that comes out from the temple. And it starts at a trickle and it gets deeper and deeper. Does it not? You know it. And at first it's how deep? Ankle deep. Turn the good Pentecostals in the room. At first it's Ezekiel 47, it's, it's ankle deep. Then it's, he measures off a thousand cubits. Then it's knee deep. Then he measures off a thousand and it's waist deep. Then measures off another thousand and it's a river that cannot be crossed. It's untraversable. It's you, you just got to go with it. The purpose of God is like a river. And, and at the shallow end is his formation of you. But I want to, and I'm, I'm going to lead down the river as we go today. And I'm not going to get many, many steps in. But the first thing that he's interested in is that you become a son. Before Jesus moved into purpose, he says, you are my son whom I love. He'd not done a thing, and the father said, with you, I'm well pleased. It's not what you do that pleases God in the sense of purpose. Ooh, you're a singer. Well, God loves you. Ooh, you're a successful businessman. God loves you. Oh, you understand the Bible. God loves you. No, he's going, you're mine. You're mi-. And you, when you get that you're mine... With you, I'm well pleased. Not when you do, when you fulfill, when you have X, Y, Z purpose. No, the start of the dream is sons and daughters. 
This is why the theme of the Bible all the way through is, is again and again, every significant person in our history, it was, you're going to have a child and they're barren. Abraham. You're going to have a child and they're barren. Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob. You're going to have a child, but they're barren. It's like every single time, it's just about having children when you can't have children. And then God really ramps it up when it comes to Mary. He says, you've got to have a child, but you're not even going to have. I'm looking at the age range in the room. (laughs) You're going to have a child, but you're going to stay a virgin and have a child. As if to prove, I want to show you how much this is about supernatural children being born. That's what this all is about. The dream, the very core of it. I'll talk next service about why it happens. But the very core of the dream is, be my kids. Seated in heavenly places with me. Shining with my glory. My children. So all you got to be is my kids. With you I'm well pleased. God, we're not as big as the other church down the road. No, no, no. But you're my kids. With you I'm well pleased. You get that I love you. Do you know he wants you to get that he loves you, that you're his, and that his power can deal with every foible in your character. Not just sin, but he can work around all the foibles, the weaknesses of who you're not, moral or otherwise. He's able. He's able. That's our God, so kind. And then with Jesus built to the core with it is written, it is written, it is written. Heads off into the power of God. We're going to talk about that in the next service. Because I believe this is a moment of new commissioning for you as a church. I believe there are new realms opening up. In fact, we're going we're gonna to start to land. Danny, would you just play a few keys just to make it feel like I've not preached as long as I have. Thanks, mate. Just. Just close your eyes in the presence of God. I want, I want the presence of God to just seal something in you. Um, If you can be at the next service, do because there are things pertaining to purpose that I, I just believe need to be released into the air. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, pour your presence over this place, I pray. Jesus. Revealed the love of God. It revealed the love of God. It revealed the love of God. Romans tells us that when the Holy Spirit fills our heart, it is He that causes us to grasp Abba, Daddy, 
our language can become childlike and fun. We realize this is about relationship. Spirit of God. This is about relationship. Spirit of God. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Jesus. Right across this room. Drink in the Holy Spirit. He's here. It's a new day. New doors are opening wide. It's a new day. There's a coming of age in this church. There's a sense of having been through a waiting and a preparatory season and a few false starts and a few areas of longing that haven't been fulfilled. But I just believe it. It won't be for everyone in every way. But as a family, there's a sense of it's that coming of age moment in the presence of God. There's a sense of a new fire and a new presence being released over the house to push you into a new season, to push you into a new place. And I believe authority is being released over many lives in this room. New kingdom authority, new kingdom assignments is what I'm going to talk about in the next service. There are kingdom assignments where we need to carry our sonship into the world in a new way. When we begin to grasp God's dream and the availability of God's power to us and the wonder of His mercy and His grace. And we begin to grasp what He's up to. And we begin to run the race with Him. Something is released on the earth. Today I really feel God is aligning you with His dream. I want you to put your dream to one side. Don't worry. Promise me you will be fulfilled. And it's amazing how much actually some of your dreams were parts, but not the fullness of what I wanted to do. But I want you to deny yourself and put your dream to one side because there's an upgrade being released. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.